Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Food bloggers, don't forget to check out the food blogging forum style community that we started over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. Finally, there's one place that we can all convene and talk and that isn't scattered all over Facebook. Here are the things that I am loving about it. It is free. It also allows for categorized discussions on all food blogging topics And there's a category for sharing successes, aka self-promotion. So no more holding back about discussing your big wins and things that you're promoting. Also, everything is in one single spot. So no hopping around from group to group. And there's an amazing opportunity to network and really get to know your fellow food bloggers in a single place. So come join the discussions that are going on over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. And I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. Don't forget forum.eatblogtalk.com. Food bloggers, are you needing a few extra hours in your week? One of my favorite services that saves me at least two hours a week is Instacart. Instacart is an online grocery shopping and delivery service, and it has changed my life. No more navigating through busy grocery stores while my boys beg me for another treat. My groceries appear at my door within hours of placing an order, and placing orders is a total breeze. If your life is as busy as mine, and I know it is, this service will save you. Get $10 off your yearly membership by using my affiliate link. Visit eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources to grab the link. Instacart, the smartest way to grocery shop. Hello, food bloggers. Welcome to the Eat Blog Talk podcast made for you, food bloggers who are seeking value for your blogs and for your lives. In today's episode, I will be talking to Rachel Ritlop from theconfusedmillennial.com. We will be discussing abundance versus scarcity mindset and how this plays a role in the lives of food bloggers. Rachel is the founder of The Confused Millennial, a lifestyle blog and podcast sharing personal experience and advice to help other confused millennials embrace more of who they are while navigating this whole adulting thing. The blog and the podcast cover topics like careers, entrepreneurship, finance, the home, relationships, spirituality, and more. After earning her master's degree in counseling and landing her dream job, Rachel found herself feeling miserable with no work-life balance. She was so miserable, in fact, that she found herself fired not once, but twice in a matter of a month, not because she couldn't do her job, but because she was just miserable to be around. Cue a quarter-life crisis and some serious soul-searching, Rachel decided to get in touch with her passions and moved forward by redefining what success means to her, and she started creating content to help people discover their life path. She also works one-on-one with clients to create their own blogs or businesses that they can turn to, turn into a fulfilling and sustainable career. I love this topic so much, Rachel, and I'm super excited to dive in with you. But before we do that, give us a quick fun fact about yourself. Oh gosh. Well, thank you so much for that introduction. Um, a fun fact about myself, I guess, since I'm coming off of the heels of 
seeing Hanson at Disney World and Halloween recently. Fun fact, third grade, I went as Zach Hanson. <laughs> and for any Hanson fans out there, I just did a YouTube video, um, Day in the Life, of what that whole trip was like. And there's lots of Hanson footage, including, of course, Umbop for people that only know them as I that. was going to actually start humming that. And I am totally going to go check out your video. So thanks for mentioning that. Now let's get to our main topic and the reason you're here. We are going to talk about abundance versus scarcity mindset today. First, I have to mention that Rachel, you and I have a commonality, and that is that we were both fired from jobs for being miserable people and (laughs) coming from a place of complete misery when work-life balances are so far off from where they should be. It is so hard, but for me, it was also the beginning of a much more abundant work life and life in general. But before I get ahead of myself, can you just start off by explaining what abundance versus scarcity mindset means? I mean, we hear scarcity. I'll start with scarcity because that's what we hear inundated with so often, like whether you're watching TV, you're scrolling on Instagram, whatever it is. And that can come in all different shapes and sizes like, oh, well, I got passed over because I focus more time on my family and I have hard boundaries that I'm not going to work outside of my nine to five or, you know, as a food blogger, like it could be something as well. There's so many food bloggers out there and all of those types of statements we tell ourselves or we even digest just scrolling on social media that let us believe that there's a not enough. And that's really where scarcity lies, that there's not enough. There may not be a seat at the table for us that we may not be worth charging the rates that we charge, especially, I mean, in the food blogging community, you, I mean, you guys work, I always say, because of being like more of a general blogger, that food blogging is probably one of the hardest niches in the blogging world because you guys are creating recipes. You always need additional products outside of whatever you're getting sponsored for. Like there's just so much creativity and you have to set up a beautiful tablescape. It's just, it taps a lot of skills and it's really easy to undervalue yourself because I know whenever I see food campaigns and networks and stuff, they're charging like a fifth of a rate for say like a financial company or something like that. And so you start to believe that that's what your worth is because that's what everyone else is telling you. That's what they're saying is the industry standard. And so just really scarcity, I mean, it has so many different dimensions. I feel like I jumped over to five different things here to sum it up. It's seeing that lack, not feeling worthy, but then it's also accepting when people tell you you're worth only X amount, even though you guys are starting to feel feelings of resentment that maybe you are worth more than that. But because society keeps saying, oh, nope, you're only worth this. Oh, nope, you're only worth this. You eventually start to believe it. Whereas an abundant mindset, you know that whatever is meant for you is not going to pass you by. You know what your worth is. You know what your values are. And you are constantly making decisions to move yourself into alignment and towards that picture of, I don't know why, but like Harry Potter is like coming to my mind right now. Like and it went, remember when that mirror, when like Ron looked in the mirror and he was like the head house boy and everyone was cheering him on. Like abundance mindset is knowing that all of the 
choices you are making are moving you towards that moment that Ron saw himself in that mirror as. Um, knowing that there's always going to be enough. What's meant for you will never miss you. And you just have to keep making that next right choice that feels really, really good for you. I like that you describe scarcity as like never enough. And we're always feeling like we're lacking. And I also like to think of it as kind of exuding an energy of fear. You're always fearful that you can never produce a good result. And then fear, I've found, draws in fear. And the, the more you get afraid of something or a certain situation, it just like it pours out of you. Like you take it in and then it just pours out of you in more abundance. And then on the other side, abundant thoughts create a more abundance in your life. So the more gratitude you have and the more you're willing to accept, like you said, Rachel, that you are worthwhile and everything you're doing is worthwhile. There's a space for you in this world. Then more abundance flows out of you. So it's like you can take a little bit of each one in and like it spills out of you in such a plentiful spray of <laughs> either fear or abundance, whatever you decide. Yeah. And I mean, there's a reason that those old cliches, birds of a feather flock together or focus goes, energy flows. And I love that you brought up fear because that's exactly what happens is we have shifted into an entirely fear-based society. If you are just showing up to your life, turning on the TV, going on your social media and not active filtering and making choices, the content that is going to be automatically presented towards you is all fear-based. I mean, look at any headline at the grocery store on the way out to the checkout counter. Everyone knows at this point that fear sells. That's why we're seeing such a rise in, you know, horror movies and why we're seeing like all of this type of stuff happen. And when we can get people into that frequency, it's exactly like you said, it keeps spreading. You know, when we think of birds of a feather flock together, we think of people, not energies, but we really need to think of it as energies too. And the news, have you turned on the news lately? I refuse to watch the news, by the way. My parents, come visit and they turn it on and I like it makes me tense up and almost freak out and like turn it off because there is nothing good there's nothing worthwhile and I don't need to fill my mind with that but yeah you're right like everywhere we walk in society whether it's at the grocery store or anywhere there's fear everywhere just inviting us in so I don't know what statistics are but I feel like most people do live with a fearful or scarcity mindset. Like there's never enough time. There's never enough money. There's always a lack and fear is just always this underlying theme. And that's just my own observations. I see that people who declare a constant lack of money and time are the ones who are always too broke and too busy to ever get anything accomplished, which is kind of ironic, right? But like people who state it, bring it back to them. So number one, I think to like go off your most recent point, you know, people forget that we are the ultimate creators in our lives. So whatever we are saying, if we're saying, oh, there aren't enough campaigns for me, oh, they will never pay my actual rates, we are going to keep creating that self-fulfilling prophecy. If that is what you are speaking into the universe, that is what the universe is going to keep giving back to you. You know, I like, and it kind of ties into like what I was going to say before. And the other thought I was having, like, you know, as bloggers, I feel like it's pretty common to be in like Facebook groups and stuff. And whenever I'm in these Facebook groups, like about how to blog or like SEO and all of those other things that go into the blogging scene, 
you always, every single day, at least one post of somebody saying, oh, my Pinterest traffic is tanking. Oh, my Google traffic is tanking. This problem, that problem, this brand only wants me to work for free. And like people all jump in the back, jump on the bandwagon, co-signing about their bad experiences. And you know, that energy, it keeps growing. And so when I said earlier, like, if you're just showing up to your life kind of on autopilot, that is going to be the information you're constantly inputting. And then what's going to end up happening is the information that you're constantly outputting is going to mirror that. You're going to say those things like you were mentioning, there's not enough money, there's not enough time, there's not enough energy. And so one of like the little hacks that I think really helps in shifting, because like at the end of the day, I just like want to say this right now, if you're like sitting here listening, like, oh crap, this is totally <laughs> me. Fear's all over the place. Like, what am I doing with my life? You know, you're definitely not alone. I was living it too. And it's about small choices of going ahead and just refiltering that. So for me, I went and unfollowed everybody I was following on Instagram. If you go to my Instagram profile at the Confused Millennial, I think it's still... I pinned highlights. It's called unfollowed. And like, I actually put that entire journey there and I got rid of everybody that didn't inspire me, any account that like didn't light me up. And all of a sudden I enjoyed hanging out on Instagram again. Um, you know, it becomes this thing where you mute certain people, you stop watching the news, but then it also becomes a consciousness to what you are saying. So when I sit here and say, oh, I'm feeling really exhausted lately. I'll follow that statement up. I'll quickly correct myself and say, actually, I was feeling exhausted in the past, but now I can feel energy starting to flow through my body. The sun right now is giving me energy and just creating a new reality for yourself with your words. Instead of talking against yourself, talk for your highest self. I love that. I love what you just said. And I kind of just had the thought like auto-correcting your thoughts. And it is like such a hard thing to do. But if you just start small and get into it, it becomes easier and easier. And I want to say too, Rachel, that I have been in that place of lack as well. And I don't want anyone to think that I'm think that I'm better than anyone else, because I think that we all kind of are taught that from very early on. And it's unfortunately, it's like a default for a lot of us, for most of us. I, oh, I have a nine month old baby and I see it you know, so often starting to be ingrained in two months old, two month olds, four month olds, eight month olds. She just won't sleep. Oh, she just won't feed herself. Oh, like all of these different things. And, you know, we have to realize like we have been because of the way our society has been built constantly taught to talk against ourselves, constantly taught to limit ourselves, constantly taught to believe that we're not enough. We're not at that right point and on that right target. Um, because you know, it's systematic. It's a broken belief system that we have inherited generational wounds. And now it's our time, you know, like we're not here to blame anybody for the wounds. We're not here to blame anybody for the trauma, but it is our responsibility to bring them into the light and to heal them and to, you know, filter some of them out. And when you become a business owner, like a blogger and things like that, because blogs are businesses, so much of that conditioning from our personal life, I feel like gets pulled to the forefront all of a sudden, because it's not just showing up for a paycheck that somebody else is signing and like being a physical body in a desk. All of a sudden you're putting yourself out there to be judged, to be critiqued, to have somebody define what your value is. And all of a sudden you're in this weird situation where your self-worth can so easily become dependent on metrics and numbers 
where like you have to really take a step back and be like, okay, where's this thought coming from that I'm not good enough? Where's this thought coming from that I don't deserve my rates to be paid? Is this really mine or is this conditioning I picked up because I saw so many other bloggers complaining about it? Is this conditioning I picked up because I always heard my parents complaining that they never felt valued in their job? And you have to really question all of your thoughts and and not settle for whatever ends up being this baseline. Oh, so much too that I wanted to reply to. Yeah, questioning all of your thoughts is important. And I think that's almost the first step is like realizing that those thoughts are there because unfortunately, I feel like we can get to the point where we're just doing that naturally and that that's like the norm. And there became a point in my life where I was like, okay, what am I thinking? Like, why am I thinking this? And I was thinking thoughts that were just so negative and fearful and just coming from that place of like scarcity, like there's never enough anything. So I think that was kind of my first step was just like jolting myself into realizing what I was doing and then like just periodically doing a check like what are you thinking right now is it positive is it doing you any good and then going to like what you said Rachel about just making those small choices which I think is really smart to go through social media and to clear out some of those negative people or situations or when you go to those forums you know you're right it's so true especially for food blogging there's always talk about why did SEO tank? And I think it's important to discuss that, but a lot of those dis- a lot of those discussions come from such a fearful place. So you have to be careful. Like you have to make sure that it's a productive conversation. You know, just recognizing it, then making those small steps to make the changes. Where do we go from there to become more abundant? It really is as simple as just starting to show up. It's small choices. It's not like, where do we go from there to become more abundant? It's that we already are abundant. You know, that statement in itself is a scarcity statement because it's implying that we aren't already abundant. We already are abundant. We just need to clear the space to allow that abundance to come through. And, And to even drill that down a little bit more, most of us are already abundant with fear. And so what ends up happening is we just have to say no to the fear to create space for the yeses, for the things that we actually want. People forget like we only have so many hours in the day. We only have so much energy and all these different things. Every time you're saying yes to something that doesn't truly light you up, you're saying no to the things that are actually truly meant for you. So every campaign that you take that is at half of your rate you're ending up saying to the universe, okay, like I can't handle any more stuff in my inbox. I can't, um, don't worry about sending me something else because like my content calendar is already full. I'm already busy. I'm at my wit's end. And you're not creating that space for the brands to come in that actually see your value, that actually see your worth. And I will like caveat that because like I know that might sound a little, um, I don't want to say whimsical, naive. Let's go with that. I know my statement just now probably may sound a little naive to people like, okay, well, I said no to everything and now I have nothing in my inbox. You know, you know, at that point you do need to take a step back and say like, am I just not talking about myself in a way that shows my value first and foremost? Is there a problem with my blog's layout, my user experience? Is it not clear to people my value and worth? It's not as simple as saying, okay, like, okay, I stopped saying yes to things that are diminishing my worth and value. It's also a matter of saying like, am I presenting a whole package that actually honors my whole value. And so it's all is a lot of little steps. It's not like, 
okay, I did one thing and now I'm abundant with money in a positive way. It's this kind of thing where it's the small choices we make each day. And I think that can become super overwhelming, especially as we're moving into the holiday seasons. I don't know when this episode's coming out, but like October always feels like such a muddy month for me. And every year, inevitably, I wrote this really sarcastic post a few years ago about like 12 things to do when you don't want to do anything at all. It perfectly sums up how I feel about the month of October. It's sarcastic. It's funny. Um, it does have a gif with a an expletive in it that pissed a lot of people on Pinterest off. So forewarning if you are sensitive. But I always end up having to take this step back. And it, it was this year, actually, like a week ago, I finally realized like this has been a pattern for the last three years. And clearly like the energy for me, the astrology, whatever it is you want to believe in is just October is one of my favorite months. But for some reason, my productivity really has struggled the last few years. And so what I've done is restructured it. And so instead of sitting here, like running around, feeling like I have a mile long to-do list with the holidays coming up and stuff like that, and feeling like I don't have enough time because there's where that scarcity mindset crops up, even when you've been doing this work for over a decade, I went ahead and I took a step back and I say, okay, I'm only like only going to put three things at the top of my to-do list. Not that I'm erasing the bottom of my to-do list, but I have top three section. I keep my to-do list on a Trello board. And if I do all three of those things each day, it's a successful day. And from that point on, I can choose how I'm spending the rest of my time. And sometimes that means I go to the beach. Sometimes I go to the pool, play with my daughter. Sometimes that means I keep going on my to-do list and I like am able to crunch out like eight more things on that to-do list. But by giving myself, creating a, creating space in my energy field rather than being like, oh my God, my to-do list is 30 items long today. How am I going to get it all done? And falling back into that scarcity mindset. I just created space and that allowed the good feelings, the money, the happiness, the self-care to come in and take and to fill in now that I've created space for those positive things to come in. Okay. I love that so much. And there is such truth to that. If you do just allow that. And I think there's an element of like really getting to know yourself. I love that you mentioned that you have a particular season in your life when you just know historically that you're not as productive and that you have noted that and that you've just started to plan around that. I think it's really important for us to do that, especially as women, I think, because we all go through those monthly cycles. And I truly believe that there is like energy in some cycles. There's rest in some cycle parts of the cycle. And that also goes for seasons throughout the year. Um, I don't know if you've read Do Less by Kate Northrup, but she talks a lot about that, how if we're just more in tune with what our cycles are, and then she talks a lot about the lunar cycle as well. And then also just like the seasons during the year, noting that like you did, Rachel, and then planning that for next year or planning it for your next cycle and being more in tune and being ready for it. And then, like you said, I lo- I wish I would have written this down, but you said something about when you are prepared opens up space for you to accept more of that abundance. And I think that we just try to fill, fill, fill every part of our lives that we don't sometimes make space to see that. But I think that's a really important part of it. And that's exactly it. It was just when you clear space, you know, to like bring this whole kind of tangent full circle. Like I think your original question was like, what's the next step? The next step is literally to just be like, you just have to clear the space and have boundaries 
with what you are investing your time into. If you keep investing your time into things that light you up, then more things that light you up are going to keep coming. You know, I got to this point where in my blog started to feel as like being a new mom, I kind of did like the opposite thing. I feel like that most bloggers do. So I did not start with any ads on my website. I did not start in any affiliate networks. In two years, I was able to generate six figures from my blog alone. In three years, I reached over a million people. You know, I worked with these major brands like Clorox, Swiffer, Logitech, Oreo, Dunkin' Donuts, all these big household names in just a couple of years. I was making all of that money solely by doing sponsored posts. And I don't have a ton of followers on Instagram. I only have now 19,000, I think, something like that. I had a baby. And then all of a sudden, I was like, wow, I'm really tired of like having to do, you know, set up and do a photo for $200 quick little Instagram campaign. Or I'm really tired because my blog rates are higher than the average bloggers because I write really long form, really um, valuable content and not saying other bloggers content aren't valuable, but I don't write three sentences and post 10 photos is what I'm saying here. You know, my average posts are like 3000 words. I have a podcast. I have a YouTube channel. I have all of these different things. I'm building an entire brand. And I all of a sudden had realized that even as a blogger, I worked so hard to get to this place of entrepreneurship. I'm supporting my family on just my income because my husband's working on his startup. I was still trading time for money. And I had noticed I started get, to get resentful for every offer that would come in where they'd want to pay me, you know, 100 bucks, 500 bucks for a post and whatever, you know, offers sometimes that other bloggers would jump over the moon. And I realized I was starting to get resentful and I ha- and I realized that it was time for me to create more space. And so like to your point earlier about the awareness, that means that you're constantly auditing yourself. And when you are starting to feel resentful, when you are starting to feel drained, you take a courageous step forward and say, okay, I'm going to shift things. So I added ads to my blog, something that literally a year ago when I applied to Mediavine, they put the ads on my site. And within an hour, I was like, you have to take these down. This is not what I thought it was going to look like. And I had an entire meltdown about what, how that would impact the user experience of my site. And so I had to go very humbly and say, Hey guys, remember me who had a meltdown and yelled at you about how this was going to ruin my site? Will you re-accept me and put these back on? Because now I'm at a place where I don't want to trade time for money. I want to have more time for my daughter. And guess who's now having to learn the ropes of affiliate networks to set up more passive income streams. And now all of a sudden I'm having to go back in and what used to work for me isn't really working for me anymore. And I have long-term partnerships that I set for each year. I've been working with for a couple years now and I'm more, I love when more of those come into my life, but I'm not really doing one-off campaigns anymore. And by saying no to the one-off campaigns, I've created space to learn about affiliate networks, to grow my SEO better so that I'm getting more page views and increasing that ad income and so on and so forth. I think it's so easy to to see an opportunity and think like, okay, this is money. I know it's not what I'm worth, but I'm going to take it anyway. And I think a lot of us get caught up in that and we take the money like you were talking about and then we're just like closing ourselves off. So I think there is such value in just really being in tune with what is aligning with you, what is lighting you up. I think you use those words, Rachel. I love that. If something's not really lighting you up and just filling you up inside, then it's probably going to be on the other end of the spectrum. It's probably going to be keeping you from other opportunities. 
like thinking abundantly in terms of being a food blogger means like I have enough traffic. I have enough money. There are enough brands to partner with. My competitors are my cheerleaders or my friends. Collaboration over competition, you know, just like having basic faith in the journey, being a bigger thinker. Those are kind of the things that I align with abundance and food blogging. And then as far as scarcity goes, avoiding taking risks in food blogging, fearing change, judging others or seeing others as like strict competition and being resentful. Like if somebody is making more money than you, just being like, you know, jealous and resentful. Also attaching yourself to kind of an outcome that you have in your mind instead of just having faith in the journey and the process. So are there any things that I've missed there? Because I'm just trying to align like how food bloggers can kind of tie this into their jobs and what. Okay. So there's a okay. lot. <laughs> okay. So let's just kind of go back to the affirmations and I'll probably have you go sure, back. Sure. I can do that. Yeah. Scarcity ones. So the abundance statements that you made, my caution to people, because a lot of the abundance statements you made are more affirmations. So here's my caution when we think about abundance. Um, I personally like to make sure that I am stating things that are creating, how do I explain this? Creating a window or a door. So for instance, um, read me one of the affirmations. There's always enough traffic. That one's good. What's the next one? Uh, Always enough money. There are always enough brands to partner with. Collaboration over competition. Okay, perfect. Okay, so um, if we go with like, there's always enough brands to partner with. If when you say that, your stomach drops, or even with the there's always enough traffic, if you say any of those things, your stomach does a little like drop. And you start to sweat a little bit and you're like, your heart starts to race a little bit. I'm going to challenge you to find a new way of saying that. So like for some people saying like there's always enough traffic or there's always enough brands to work with. That's totally a true statement. But if you start to have a nervous system response, it means that your body is picking up that you're lying to yourself because your subconscious doesn't fully believe that. And so this is like a real, there was a study done quite a few years ago at this point, but basically like they had one group of people wear this shirt that had sweat pads in the underarms. And then another group of people wore the shirt with the sweat pads in the underarms, but they jumped out of planes. And then a third group of people had to smell a sweat pad from group A and a sweat pad from group B. And when they monitored this um, sniffers response, their cortisol levels actually shot up when they smelled the plane jumpers pads versus the non-plane jumpers pads. Our body knows when we are lying to ourselves. And so I, I always get like a little, I've like started and stopped a blog post on like my thoughts on affirmation so many times because like it is, it's not as simple as just like saying this statement and like keep telling yourself this statement and then, you know, I find that so many people end up beating themselves up because like, okay, well, I've had this statement on my mirror. I've said it 10 times every day. Why isn't it happening for me? Why isn't it happening for me? And it ends up having this entire like opposite effect that we wanted. And so instead saying things like the right people that are truly interested in my content can easily find it. People like and kind of just getting creative with different statements that resonate with you or like brands that are willing to pay my rates, reach out to me 
or because, you know, there's always a million brands. You don't need your inbox flooded by people that just want to send you a food product and then have you write a whole blog post about it. Like you guys don't want that in your inbox. And so by saying there's always enough brands to work with, you're going to end up with that kind of crap in your inbox if that's where your subconscious is still valuing yourself. So that's kind of like my little two cents on abundance based statements. Being very clear about what you want, because I've experienced this in the past where I'll like say something over and over and even write it on my whiteboard. And then it comes like it comes into my life in a very interesting way, like in a way that I didn't expect. But I was like, well, I wasn't really clear about what I was saying. And there's actually, you know, there's two types of, I don't know if your audience is familiar with human design. If you're not, I have a podcast called The Confused Millennial, episode 12 with Jenna Zoe. We talk about human design. It will change your life. Um, But in your actual human design charts, and I'll walk you guys through how to do this. In your actual human design charts, if you go to mybodygraph.com, you can do a free chart. You need to know your birthday, your exact birth time, and your birth city. When you pull up this graph, there's going to be four arrows on each side of your head. If the bottom right arrow is pointing inward, that means you are a specific manifester. If it is pointing outward, that means you are a non-specific manifester. So there's actually two types of manifestors in this world. And again, I can't remember if it's that bottom right arrow. I'm like 90% sure it is. If you guys end up going through this and you want to like reconfirm, feel free to message me on Instagram. Um, and I will let you know if I'm 100% positive on that, but I'm pretty sure it is. Um, And so if you are a non-specific manifester, you actually don't want to get super clear. All you want to do is like sit there and think about like, this is the type of feeling that I want to have. This is the energy I want to be cultivating. But if you're a specific manifester, getting super clear works for you. So quick example, I'm in the middle of a massive site redesign, probably one of the biggest projects I've done with my business since it started. I have a separate designer and I've been in the process of finding a developer and it's a big reason my energy sucked for the last month. I finally like was like, Rachel, you need to get your stuff together and use your tools, Scott, use your skills. And so I'm a specific manifester. So for the last couple of days, I have been saying that I am calling in a developer who is as easy to work with as my designer, who is exceptionally skilled and detail oriented and can deliver everything I want. And they are just easy to work with and that the universe is getting rid of people that aren't in alignment with this. And is the universe is constantly with each passing moment, bringing together the perfect team for bringing my vision to life with ease and grace and no problems. And literally, I mean, since doing that, my designer emailed me and was like, Hey, actually, I don't think you should go with this developer. I recommended who I had been on the fence with. Boom, cleared that out. Another developer I was supposed to have a call with an hour ago, you know, show boom, cleared that out. And so knowing what type of manifester you are, I think it's just so important (laughs) because it really like, sometimes we end up adopting things we hear in podcasts, read in self-help books, whatever it is. And we like hit our head against the wall. Why isn't this working? My husband is a non-specific manifester. So if he were to say something like that, he wouldn't get anywhere and he would end up getting really, really frustrated. So I think knowing those little tidbits about ourselves always just really, really helps. And then going into the scarcity stuff that you said. Fearing change, judging others, being resentful. 
Yeah. So with the scarcity stuff, I love all those statements. And what I would just challenge people to do, that's what I wanted to say is assign an action to it. So like if you're judging somebody, you're unfollowing them or you're muting them. You don't like you where energy goes or where focus goes, energy flows. So the more that you're judging other people, the more that you're actually judging yourself. Because if you're sitting here judging this person for X, Y, and Z, chances are you're never going to truly put yourself out there to even be judged by X, Y, and Z because you're doing that to somebody else. And so like it is those really basic things that we learned in elementary school that we seem to like forget as adults. And so when you do, if you were to come up with like a list of scarcity thoughts that you're having, assign an action step to them, figure out a way that you're going to make it tangible to transmute that in your life. I love that. And that kind of goes along with something else I wanted to bring up. So once we start changing our mindsets a little bit, don't people with scarcity mentalities start kind of popping up or like not necessarily people, but situations and you start seeing them more and you're like, oh, that's not how I would talk or it just becomes more prominent part of your life. So how do you recommend handling this? Because sometimes those people or situations aren't necessarily things that we can always like avoid or get rid of, you know, if they're family or whatever. How do you handle that? Yeah. So also on my blog, there's a script for this. So if you forget it, feel free to go back to it. There's a podcast and a blog post that corresponds with about how to transmute negativity with love or something like that. And it's really, really simple. It's so simple. All you do is respond with love. So feel free to give me a statement. I never have enough money. You know, I really love how you continue to create opportunities for money to just find you in your life. Like, I think it's such a beautiful thing. I love that. It's so, it's so, it's so easy, but so hard to do when you're like, oh. And it doesn't have to be like right after the person says that statement. So there's a couple different things here. When we are responding to negativity with love, we are literally just like I said to do earlier for yourself, creating a new reality for yourself. You're just going to do that for other people that don't have that school tool set for themselves yet. You are just going to manifest and create a better um, reality for them and shift their focus instead of like co-signing their scarcity instead of ignoring it you're just gonna shift their focus so their energy can flow to this new thing into a healing loving energy excuse me frequency and so listen my husband did this once and in the podcast episode he actually reads a conversation it was like my episode three of my podcast so the audio is not super great on it but he actually reads a conversation he did to one of his college roommates and his college roommate was like are you being sarcastic? Like he thought he was joking at first and like he thought he was being sarcastic and he just kept doing it and he held the line and it broke him down and the guy apologized and like it truly, truly works. Now, again, like what you just said, sometimes we're in the moment and we forget about it. You can just sit there and let that person talk. And then when that, when you remember that you have this in your toolbox, that you are a wizard, Harry, you can go ahead and just pull it out at any point in the conversation. And chances are, if you say it like not directly after they say such like a hard statement, they're not going to think that you're being sarcastic. They're just going to think that like you're validating them, which that's what so many of us truly want seen and validated. And and so, yeah, it's really that simple. It's important too to remember that just not to judge when people have that kind of mindset, because keep in mind that it is a natural thing for all of us to have that fear tendency, that fear-based 
thought process. So that's kind of been a process for me to realize that I need to have grace with people. I loved the word you used, Rachel. You said be a co-signer, like just let it go and ignore it. But there's such a fine line because you don't want to be like in their face. You want to have grace to address it on some level. Right. And, you know, I think this is where I think the self-help world, spirituality world, scarcity, abundance, whatever, self-improvement world gets a little bit muddy in everyone's interpretations. Um, You want to respond to things with love. And it can be that kind of super simple phrasing I just gave you. But it can also be setting a really hard and clear boundary about what you will not accept being spoken to in your life. And, you know, we get to this point, it can be tiring in the past, and we let people talk at us, talk at us, talk at us. And we forget that by sitting there in silence, we're still co-signing it. The boss that fired me that first time, that was probably one of the best takeaways I had from that job. She was a very toxic boss. Every month under her, somebody fired her, got quit. And however, she called me into her office one time because everybody, like it was like a running joke amongst the team. People were venting to me about her. And somehow she had found out that I was sitting there listening to them. And she called me into her office and said that even listening to gossip was gossiping. And that hit me. I was like, okay. And that same applies to when somebody's sitting here and being negative and like judging themselves or judging other people by you sitting there and co-signing it. It's what I said earlier. It's you being on autopilot to your life. It's you downloading that energy frequency. And then all of a sudden you're going to have more thoughts like that. You're going to keep seeing their messages reinforced in the media, social media and songs you're listening to and all of these different things. And so We can respond with love, but we can also, responding with love can also mean that we set boundaries. And when we set boundaries from a place of love, people may take that or hear that as judgment, but it's for you guys to kind of work through. And that's probably like, we definitely don't have time for me to get into (laughs) coaching that whole conversation. But um, yeah, the big thing is, is you're allowed to set boundaries is really where I'm trying to go with this whole long-winded rant here is that boundaries are okay. Boundaries are our friends. Just making sure that we're saying them from a place of love and not a place of hurting things, hurting people. I think a lot of times today we, you know, radical honesty is a big trend and people are weaponizing it. Like, oh, I'm going to be super honest with this person because they're always, you know, being judgy and in doing our radical honesty, we end up becoming that person. And like I did a whole episode on the victim versus the perpetrator mindset, which would probably do a good job explaining a little bit more of what I'm meaning because it is a little bit more complex. Great. And I think this can all apply to food blogging as well. And those forums that we get on that are super helpful, but also can lead to a downward spiral. And sometimes I can get off of them and just feel a little bit worse than I felt when I went on. So just kind of going with your responding with love you know, like if you do need to engage in a topic, just doing so from that good place and not judging, not berating for people that are being negative, but yeah, just truly being a source of light, I think is really important. Um, So I'm trying to think of other places where people might encounter this. Obviously, social media, uh, blog forums, also any comments or emails that you get that might be Uh, not super positive. I always, this is my new thing. Okay. First I have to say when I started food blogging, I was not like this. I used to be the person that would reply and be like, Oh really? Like (laughs) just kind of sassy. Like who do you think you are saying that to me? 
but I have changed my ways and I am now just like I always reply with kindness. And if somebody leaves a ridiculous comment or an email, I'll just reply and say, I really appreciate you, you know, sharing this with me. I always reply kindly. And I think it's important for us to always keep that in mind because our world as food bloggers are filled with judgment and negativity, not saying from like necessarily a food blogging perspective, but just the fact that we're always out there. We're always putting ourselves out there on social media and on our, on our blog. So it's something that we always have to be thinking about. To kind of wrap up, is there anything, Rachel, that you would specifically say to food bloggers? You've said so much, but do you have anything extra like amazing words of inspiration that you know food bloggers would just absorb on this topic? I mean, for me, it's just what I always tell everybody that like it is our job at a certain point in our life to wake up and decide that we are going to unlearn everything that has been taught to us, to question any thought does, that doesn't light us up, to question why we're doing stuff that we don't enjoy, and just recognizing how much of it is actually our own belief system, our own wants, our own desires versus people pleasing, other people's conditioning and all of that type of stuff. So I would just encourage you guys to go through your days with a little bit more presence, awareness, and learn to identify like if you start to have those types of responses we talked about earlier, like feelings of resentment, heart racing, sweating, but also um, more subtle things like all of a sudden you always have a headache or your shoulder hurts around certain people. That's your body's physical way of telling you some, that something um, energetically is out of alignment. And so going ahead and just constantly making choices that support feeling good. I love that. Paying attention to your body is really valuable as well. And I think that we disregard that a lot of the time. We just kind of put that to the side. But I like that you pointed that out too. And then I will add to your show notes the um, some of the blog posts that you referred to in the episode on your own blog and then also the human design. So I think that was mybodygraph.com. Is that right? My body graph is where you guys can look it up. And again, it's, I'm pretty sure the bottom right arrow on your chart, if it's pointing in, you're a specific manifester. If it's pointing out, you're non-specific. Okay, I will add that to Rachel's show notes and you can find those at eatblogtalk.com forward slash Rachel Ritlop. So Rachel, tell my listeners again, the best place to find you online. Yeah, um, pretty much everywhere the confused millennial and millennial has two ends because I know people misspell all that sometimes. Um, Instagram, TikTok. Don't ask me why. I'm like 30 and I'm really into TikTok That's funny. Right now. <laughs> My blog, obviously, and all that good stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here, Rachel. I really appreciate you taking the time today to talk about this fun topic. And then thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.